And today we are going to talk about something that the Lord experienced in the beginning of His ministry. Uh, we all have different professions. We all have different careers. Some of us work in careers that require more uh, thinking. Others work in careers that require uh, more use of your hands. I guess we all have to think, right, when we are working. Whether you use your hands or, or not. But we all have to think about what you're doing. And we all look for training. We all consider being trained and being prepared for the work that we have to do. And whatever your profession is, there are tools of the trade that you have to deal with. You need to be equipped. As Christians, it's no different. And that's what we're going to talk about today, this morning. But before we do that, I'd like to invite you to join me in this prayer where we're going to pray specifically and particularly for the Lord's blessing for this moment where we're going to open up Scripture and study His Word. So as far as possible, join me as I kneel here and we ask for God's direction. This is our prayer, Lord, that our voices be heard and our request be given, be granted that the presence of the Holy Spirit may still be felt and sensed in our midst. May you, Lord, be the Lord of our hearts and of our lives. May the Holy Spirit carry away our thoughts and lead us to the cross of Christ. Help me, Lord, to be only your instrument here this morning. May your name be always glorified. I ask me in the name of Jesus. Amen. There are four accounts, four accounts in the Gospels. Each writer of the Gospels presents his own account of Jesus calling his first disciples. You'll find that in Matthew, you'll find that in Mark, in Luke, and in John. Now, Matthew and Mark's account are very close to one another, very similar. They basically say the same thing. There is only one small difference in the wording, but it's basically the same account. Luke presents an account that's more detailed. There is a lot more detail in Luke's description. And John presents it from a different perspective. Now, some scholars believe that these are three different uh, callings. And uh, others believe that it's all one, the same calling, just from different perspectives. But it doesn't matter how you see it. The truth is, uh, what is evident is that Jesus did call four fishermen to begin with. Four men that were used to fish uh, for a living. And very likely he invited other three who were also fishermen to be part of his group of 12 disciples, 12 apostles. Now, the Bible describes this as Peter and Andrew, his brothers, being the first two who were, who were called. I'd like to direct you to the book of Luke. Even though our scripture reading this morning was from Matthew, we're going to uh, be looking at Luke chapter 5. So if you want to open up your Bibles to Luke chapter 5, we'll be referencing, referencing more to this account to Luke's account and so the Bible shows that Peter and Andrew 
they were busy. That's how the Bible starts. That's how Luke starts. They were busy washing and mending their nets. Now, I've never been a fisherman. I don't know if anyone here has done fishing for a living. But I know that in my younger years, you, you hear I say younger, right? Not my young. My younger years, I was, in, I was just starting uh, my studies in music in university. And uh, I was living far from my parents. I was in another city. And I was sharing uh, a room with a colleague. And one night he said, let's go down and fish. Get some fish for our dinner. And this was in the city of uh, Rio de Janeiro, close to Rio de Janeiro. And there is this huge bay, which is called the Guanabara Bay. Now, I went there with my friend, and we tried to fish. I tried to fish for a long time, and I tried. We spent there probably a couple hours. I didn't get anything. I was kind of maybe uh, 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 50 or 20, 20, 30 meters away from my friend. And when he came back, he had a cup full of fish that he had caught. And I said, I don't know what it is, but I didn't get any. And so we went back and we cooked that fish and we ate it. And uh, I'm kind of glad that I didn't get, go too far with that because uh, the Guanabara Bay is a very polluted bay. And uh, I would be, you know, excited about going back there, which would not be really good for my health. But anyway... I kind of gave up fishing at that point, and I have never since actually fished. Uh, some people have invited me, but I have not gone back into it. Now, the Bible shows here the two men, these two men, Peter and Andrew, they were busy fishing for a living. But that specific, on that specific occasion, they had not caught anything. And they had spent all the night trying to uh, catch some fish and nothing had come and so here they are in the morning washing their nets mending their nets and you know they would uh, cast the net down in the in the sea and when they would pull the, the net back uh, there might be fish in it but there was also usually a lot of debris uh, branches and maybe uh, uh, other debris that they had to remove from the nets and so there they are uh, mending their nets, there they are washing their nets when Jesus passes by and sees them. And Jesus sees that they are outside of their boat. They are not in their boat. They are on the shore uh, cleaning and, and washing and mending the nets. And so Jesus sees that the boat is empty and he goes and steps onto the boat. And he uses Peter's boat to, to preach. And he starts to preach to the crowd. And so after that, Jesus turns to them and says that they should let down their nets. Cast down your nets. Because now you're going to go for a great catch. And Peter says, Lord, we have toiled all night. We have tried all with all our, our expertise. We have used all the technique we had. We have, but we haven't gotten anything. And Jesus said, no, go ahead and, and, and cast down your nets. And so reluctantly they did it. It said, okay, Lord, that your word will do it. And they did. And the Bible says that they were able to enclose a large number of fish at that time. The number of fish was so large that the net starts to break. And they are desperate because they see the nets breaking. And, and Peter signals to his friends who were on the other boat, on the other ship, asking them to come and help. And the friends rush and come to help. 
Now the Bible does not indicate that there was any of the fish that was lost. No fish seems to be to have been lost in that occasion. The friends came, they helped, and they were able to to uh, take care of the situation and they bring the fish onto the boat. And there was so much fish, so many fish, that the boat begins to sink. And when the boat begins to sink. Peter is so impressed with all of that that he turns to Jesus, he falls at his feet and he says, Lord, I declare that I'm a sinful man. Please, Lord, depart from me. I don't deserve to be close to you. I don't deserve that you be close to me. I'm a sinful man. And Jesus at that uh, situation, Jesus turns to Peter and says, follow me because from now on you'll be fishers of men. You'll be fishers of men. So are there a few lessons here in this passage that I believe we can learn? Oh, there are many lessons, but I'd like to highlight a few of them. One is that Jesus was passing by. Jesus was walking by. And he was looking for a place where he could find some rest. But he saw those two men working. And he saw that they were taking care of their nets. And Jesus decides to call them as his first disciples and so jesus is in the business of calling busy people jesus is not going around looking for people who are idle jesus is not going around looking for people who have nothing to do and so maybe they'll be interested in helping me in my mission jesus calls those who are busy someone said once i believe it is uh i don't think it was Lincoln, maybe it was Benjamin Franklin that is, uh, this quote is attributed to, maybe not even Franklin, but what was said is that if you want to get something done, give it to a busy person, right? And so Jesus is in the business of calling busy people. If you think you're busy, if you think your days do not have as many hours as, as you think you need, well, God is calling you. If you think your week is too short, all of a sudden when you see it, it is already Friday. It's already the Sabbath. You, ha you are coming back to church. And all of the plans you had, maybe you were not able to fulfill all of them. Well, Jesus is calling you. Jesus is calling exactly you. He has a work for you. One thing that I notice here as well is that you, you cannot be in two places at the same time. I cannot at least. I don't think you can. You cannot be in two places at the same time. And so while you're looking after your own needs, you're washing your nets, you're looking at your own subsistence, don't be afraid. Because Jesus will step in and, and will take care of his work for you. So Jesus stepped onto the boat. The boat was empty. He stepped onto the boat while they were taking care of something else. And Jesus starts to preach. So we do have a work to do with the Lord. But it, it is His work. It is His church. It is His cause. And He will make sure that everything goes forward. But He also has a mission for us. He also has a work for us. And another lesson we cannot pass. Is that the work of God on earth requires humility and requires unity. You see that they obeyed what the Lord said. 
Go and let down your nets. And so they did. And as they're pulling back the nets, they see that there is a large quantity of fish that they would not be able to handle themselves. And so they signal to their friends. Now, I want you to notice this in the text. If you take the time to read Luke chapter 5, verses 1 to 11, and you'll find out that Peter and John's friends were on the other boat. They were not idle either. They were working as well. They were busy as well. But at their friend's request, they decide to stop what they're doing and go and help them not to lose any of the fish. And so, even though they were busy, when asked for help, they went and helped. Very much so, it must be the work in the church. If you feel you're, you're overwhelmed by what you have to do, by your responsibilities in the church... There are others who can help, even though they're busy as well. But when we all pull together, we're able to accomplish things. Now there's something that Jesus says here. If you go back to verse 4. Luke chapter 5, verse 4. After Jesus had stepped onto the boat and had preached to the crowd, Jesus turns to Peter and he says, Launch out into the deep. Launch out into the, into the deep. Uh, pull this, this, this boat uh, further into the deep. And there you cast down your nets. Now, in the spiritual life, in your spiritual walk, in your walk with the Lord, you are being called also to go further into the deep. You know, the shore is safe. But the Lord is calling you, launch out into the deep. Go a little further. But pastor, I'm doing all I can. I don't know any better. I don't think I can manage this. And the Lord is telling you, go further into the deep and I'll take care of you. Go further into the deep because there is where you're going to find fish. You're not going to find fish here on the shore. You're not going to find fish here on the sand. You have to venture yourself into the deep. We live in a world where things are going crazy. We can't quite understand what's going on. Nobody can. And the Lord is saying, launch out into the deep. You may seem, uh, it may seem as you're, you're lost. You can't quite comprehend what is around you. I have given you my word, and you can be sure that I'll be faithful to my word. Launch out into the deep, and I'll be looking after you. And so as you join the church, as you join the faith, you may not be so sure of what's going to lie ahead. No one is. But the Lord says, don't stay here in the shore. Don't stay here on on the sand. Go further into the deep, and I'll take care of you. He's saying that to you today. But the Lord turns to Peter and to Andrew and to their friends. And the Lord says, Do not be worried. Even though you may may have such a large catch of fish. And even though the boat may start to be sinking. Be not afraid. Because from now on you're going to be fishers of men. I've been thinking about that expression. And I don't know if you have taken the time to think. Maybe you have never been a fisherman. 
Maybe you have been a hunter. But the Lord is saying you are going to be a fisher of men. So what's this about? Is, is the gospel kind of a bait and switch thing? That we're going to lure people into something and that's actually at the end something different. Are you calling them to something that's not really what you're advertising? Is this what being a fisher of men is all about? What is it like to catch people? Why has the Lord used that uh, metaphor? From now on you're going to catch people. From now on you're going to be fishers of people, fishers of men. Well, the same thing, the same blessing that the gospel has been to you. If you think you are blessed, I think I've been blessed by the gospel. I think I've been blessed for, by the church. I think I've been blessed by everything I've learned so far. I've been blessed by the fellowship of the believers. And if you think you've been blessed, well, there's someone else that needs the same blessing. And so the Lord is calling you now to go out and fish for people. Not in a bait and switch scheme. You're going to fish for people because they also are going to be blessed. And I got to tell you this. Time is running out. Time is running out. You look around and you see that yes, the end is close. And so the Lord is calling you. You must be a fisherman. I'm calling you. I'm inviting you. You're going to be a fisherman, a fisher of people. And I will be with you. And so I don't know what your reality is. I don't know if you have problems at school because of your faith. I don't know if you're facing problems at work because of, because of your faith. I don't know if you're facing problems in your own family because of your faith. I'd like to give you encouragement this morning that Jesus is with you. That Jesus is looking after you. And this should be good news. I was expecting an amen. I thought this would be good news. Anyway, that's the good news I brought this morning for you. Do not be ashamed of your faith, ever. Do not be ashamed of your church. You know, the church may have its problems. The church is not perfect. As far as you and I are in the church, the church will never be perfect. As long as you and I are in the church, the church will never be perfect. The church will always be a work in progress while you and I are in the church. But don't be ashamed of the church. Don't be ashamed of your faith. When we decide to cooperate with God, His promise, His promise is that He will make us fishers of men. He will send many fish our way, many, many fish. And the boat may begin to sink as this fish comes in. And so many people come to the church. And as other people join the church. They look back and they say. Oh the church is no longer what it used to be. Well I got to tell you. It never will be the same thing it was before. I'm not talking about, about principles. I'm not talking about God's law. I'm talking about the dynamics in the church. It is going to change as the membership changes. And as more fish come in, and that's what we look for, the boat seems to be sinking. And some people focus only on the sinking. And some people focus only on the problems in the church. They focus that the church is not per on the fact that the church is not perfect. That's all they talk about. 
They talk negativity. They talk about the problems and the issues. They talk about how someone else hasn't been really nice to them or this or that. Well, I got to tell you this. The sinking of the boat is only temporary. That's what the Bible shows. If you go down to verse 11, you will see that they had brought safely their boats to land. And once they did it, they forsook all things and followed Jesus. So the boat will be brought safely back to land. You, you, may, you may choose to focus on the negative things, if you will. That's your choice. But I got to tell you that the church may appear as it is falling, but it does not fall. It will never fall because Jesus is in the boat. Jesus is with the church. Don't forget that Jesus was in the boat, wasn't he? He was in the boat all the time. He told Peter to launch out into the deep. He told Peter to let down the nets. He was in the boat and they did it. And there was a large quantity of fish. The boat started to sink. Jesus was still inside the ship. He didn't abandon them. Likewise, Jesus is in the church. Jesus is with us. And he will not let this boat sink. No matter what other people say. But there is one thing that you and I must do. There is one thing that you and I must do to stop the sinking of the boat. So read with me here and we'll find out what that is. In verse 4, Luke chapter 5 verse 4, Jesus, uh, the Bible says, When he had stopped speaking, when Jesus had stopped speaking to the crowd, he said to Simon, Simon Peter, launch out into the deep. And let down your nets for a catch. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish. And their net was breaking. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the, uh, and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished, astonished at the catch of fish which they had taken. And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid, from now on you will catch men. So when they had brought their boats to land, they forsook all and followed him. What is the turning point here? What was the turning point when the boat started to sink? What was the turning point? Peter fell down at Jesus' knees. And he declared himself a sinner. And he said, Lord, I'm not worthy of all of this. And so here is... Here is my word for you this morning. If you want to focus on the problems, it's your choice. But if you want to see the church not sink and grow, that's the tool that you need. You need to humble yourself. You need to fall down at Jesus' feet. You need to recognize your unworthiness. You need to surrender it all to God. You need to recognize your sinfulness and God's righteousness. 
your unworthiness and God's sovereignty, your inability to do things in God's almighty power. And when you recognize that, when you and I, it's not only once, but on a daily basis we do that, the Lord can do wonders for you and I. The Lord can do wonders for His church. To the point where people will be standing here. There are no seats to be taken. To the point where the parking lots, people will have to park on the, on the snow. Because there is no place. In fact, someone was talking to me earlier this morning. said they had a hard time finding a, a parking spot. But this is what the Lord is willing to do. This week, we were in, uh, in a conversation with a group of people. And, uh, and this topic came out, came, came up. Uh, I don't know if any one of you have already noticed that there is, there is an object just outside the door of the church, uh, close to the stairs. Have you noticed anything there? What is that? Oh, there is, a, there is a blue barrel. That's right. There's a blue barrel right on the porch there. That's to, for collecting clothes for a God's closet. But there is another object outside as well. It's a, a yellow box, right? Signs of the Times uh, box. Now, that box is there because we have a subscription to the Signs of the Times. And every month we receive 50 magazines. And so some of those magazines are placed here in the pews. You may have seen those, and maybe there are some still out there. And some of those magazines are put inside the box. Now, the location we have for the, that box right now is not probably not the best location because we don't get too much foot traffic here, right? And we've been praying and trying to find a location in town uh, that would be more convenient, that people would have to go there, maybe in front of a grocery store, or a, a, a pharmacy, a drugstore, or something, or any business, or a restaurant, or whatever. And because this, this hasn't taken place yet, uh, in this conversation, uh, some people were considering that maybe we should, you know, get rid of the box and, and cancel the subscription. And so uh, my appeal to these people is the same I'm making here this morning to you. The signs of the Times box that is out there, who does it belong to? To God? Uh, it belongs to us, right? It belongs to the church. It's not my property. It's no one else's uh, property individually. It belongs to the church. So here is my challenge and my appeal to you. If the magazines are not being taken, in your, in your you know, wanderings around the city here, when you go to a grocery store, when you go to a doctor's office, when you talk to people, any and every one of us can try to find a place for the box. Can't we? You have, you have total, maybe you didn't know this, you have total absolute freedom to, to try to find a spot for the box. And if you do, just let us know. I've talked to a business owner, I've talked to someone, and they agreed to have the box placed right in front of their, of their business. And if you find that place, we'll gladly transport the box there. But I think, I'm saying this from my heart, I think it would be a shame to get rid of the box just because we have not been able to find a place for it. 
No one else is going to find a place for the box other than ourselves. It is our responsibility. So let's take ownership of that signs of the times box. It, it belongs to all of us. And so sometimes, many times, I would say, in your spiritual journey with the Lord, in our walk with the Lord, you will be called to look at things differently. You will be called to deal with things differently. Maybe the immediate answer, the immediate response, the immediate reaction would be, well, this is not working, so let's cancel it. Let's get rid of it. And the Lord is calling you to look at it from a different perspective. Maybe there is something else you need to learn and something else you need to do. And this is an appeal that I'm making to you and I'm making to myself. There is something I'd like to highlight as I close here. In verse 10, the Lord is talking to the disciples, his first disciples, Peter and Andrew, who were brothers, and also a couple of other brothers, James and John, who were the sons of Zebedee. And verse 10 and 11 say that in Luke chapter 5, And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. So when they had brought their boats to land, they forsook all and followed him. So let me tell you this to you. The Lord is calling you to look at things from a different perspective. The Lord is looking to teach you that inside of you, there are many gifts that are perhaps latent. You're not even aware that you have those gifts. But if you allow the Holy Spirit to work with you, He will arouse those feelings, He will make you aware of the gifts you have, and He will empower you. You know, Ellen White, one of the founders of the Seventh-day Adventist Church, said this, and I'm actually borrowing from her. In many people, there are gifts, there are virtues, there are abilities that are in there that they are not even aware of. But if they make themselves available, the Holy Spirit will come and will make them aware of that and will help them grow in that area. The Lord does not care too much about your knowledge. He doesn't care very much about the nets and the equipment you have. Peter and John and, and uh, James and Andrew... The Bible says that they left behind all that they had. That included even family. That included their nets. That included their equipment. That included their boats. All was left behind. They forsook all. And so maybe, maybe you think that you need to get more schooling to be able to work for the Lord. Well, don't waste your time trying to get schooling. So you would be qualified to work for the Lord. Get all the schooling you can because you need it to function in life. But don't think that the Lord will only use you after you get a degree. Don't think that the Lord will use you to do what you think you are good at. Because you may be good at it, may be good at it for something, but the Lord is not looking into that specific quality. And so your nets, your boats... Your fishing line, your fishing rods, your, your sinkers, your floats, uh, your baits, all of that 
Leave that behind. The Lord will give you the tools of the trade that you need. It's not anything even you have or you think you do. Now, this is the word I had for you this morning. It's not a complicated word, is it? It's not. It's making yourself, it's making ourselves available. It is allowing the Lord to work with us and through us. It is recognizing that as busy as you may be, the Lord wants you. It is you that the Lord wants. It is not a complicated word. It is a word that says that in the church work, in the work of the Lord, we need to be partners of one another. We need to be united. And maybe whatever you feel is lacking in you for the work of the Lord, it may be already in there. You just need to make yourself available for the Holy Spirit to work and to use those qualities. And so my appeal to you is this. There is a world to be warned about the coming of Jesus. There is a world to be warned about His soon coming. The city of Belleville is growing, isn't it? Yes. You just go north of town and you see how many houses are being built. How many people are moving from, from the GTA this, this way here. The city is growing. There are new industries being installed here. New plants. There are new businesses coming to, to the city. There is more people moving here. And so... We have a responsibility to be fishers of men, to go out and warn those people. It is our responsibility. Let us all take ownership of that. Do not expect, do not expect that someone who will may be in charge of personal ministries will come here to the front every Sabbath and will make a speech saying, We got to do this and we're going to do that next Sabbath. And so come here at 3 o'clock. All of that is needed. But that's not what's going to change the reality. That's not what's going to evangelize the city of Belleville. Until you and I unite and do this together. Don't expect one person. Oh, let's select someone as personal ministries. Because that is going to, someone who is gifted. That's going to change the thing. Change the word and, and the, uh, the world. And Jesus will come. Well, let us all take ownership of this. Let, let us all share what we have. Let us all share what we know with whomever we come in contact with. It doesn't matter if you are a baptized member of the church or not. It doesn't matter if you've been here for one year, two years, ten years, thirty years. The Lord has a work for you to do. And He's calling you into action. Faith in the Bible is a verb. God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whomsoever believe in Him. Believe continually. Faith requires action. So I'd like to invite you for a prayer. I'd like to call you for a prayer. If you think this word is for you this morning, if you believe the Lord is calling you as well, I'd like to invite you to come to the front. I make this too, I do this too often, don't I? Oh, I'm sorry, I'll keep doing that. 
If you think that's the word of the Lord for you this morning, join me here at the front. I'm already here. I came down. I want to be blessed as well. I want to be part of this. I want to take ownership of God's work here in the city. I want to take ownership of God's work here. I want to be equipped. I want the Lord to teach me. No one should be forced to come. This is absolutely voluntary. And I will have a prayer for those who are coming here. Let's pray. While I pray, if you still feel moved to accept this calling. We are not taking down names. We are not looking who is coming, who is not. This is the word for you this morning. If you feel moved to take ownership of the work of outreach, of fishing for people here in the city of Belleville and surroundings, come to the front. The Lord is calling you today. Dear Heavenly Father, the work is yours. This, this entire world is yours. Every resource, everything we think we may have uh, actually belongs to you. So likewise, this cause is yours. It is your work. But this morning, Lord, a call was made, an appeal is being made. That those who are willing to partner with you, those who are willing to listen to Jesus' call to follow him and become fishers of people. Those people have come here to the front. And so, Lord, my prayer is a simple prayer that you may honor this desire, that you may honor this, this gesture, that as we have come to the front, you may, Lord, empower us to do things that we have never been able to imagine. Peter never thought he would have such a large catch that day. And so, Lord, take us to places where we have never imagined. Help us fall down at your knees every day. Help us assume our sinfulness and our inability, our weaknesses, and surrender it all to you and be empowered by you. You are the Almighty God. Lord, some people came to the front, and I especially pray for these. Let us all pull together, Lord, and take ownership of the work here in the city of Belleville. That we may be surprised with such a large catch of fish. A people who will be coming to know more of you. And will be going around signaling for help. That your work may continue to grow. These blessings I ask, Lord, for the glory of your name. And in Jesus' name we ask, Amen. Amen. God bless you all. May you all be blessed today and always.